Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sophie. I'm Yelly. And this is She's All Fat, the podcast for fat positivity, radical self-love, and chill vibes only. We are very excited for this week's episode. Today we are chatting with our not-so-anonymous fat friend, Aubrey Gordon. Also known as Your Fat Friend on Twitter and Instagram. We're super thrilled that we got to talk to Aubrey about her new book, What We Don't Talk About When We Talk About Fat. But before we head over to the interview, let's go to our news corner. This is your last week to get the most out of our collaboration with Stylish Sista. The gorgeous banner and prints that Taylor put together for us will only be available until the end of January. But don't worry, they'll still have the SAF sticker sheets available. Go to stylishsista.etsy.com and check out the All Bodies Are Good Bodies collection. Tag us in your Instagram pics and we'll give you a little shout out on our stories. We want to see your water bottles, notebooks, phone cases. Show us your SAF covered goodies. As always, we've now got to get a shout out to our amazing patrons. Yelly, what's going on in the Facebook group? Team Paisley Mumu patrons are in the group talking about wireless bra recommendations and planning our community hangout for this weekend. And as always, our patrons are getting a bonus SAF mini-sode every week. This season, our bonus mini-sodes are all Fatty Film School episodes where I bring on a guest to chat with me about fat rep and fat phobia in movies and TV. This week, Yelly and I goof around and chat about the best Disney villain you've ever seen, Ursula in The Little Mermaid. And Little Mermaid 2 we talk about also. Don't miss it. Sign up at patreon.com slash she's all fat pod for access to all of our fatty film school episodes and more. Okay, before we get into the app, I do want to note that this book can be really difficult to read. Aubrey walks us through a lot of the hard realities of what fat bodies go through, which is super important, but sometimes hard to think about. And there's also a weight mention in this episode. Please know that going into the book, and also if you need to take a break and care for yourself, you're absolutely valid. Even though it's hard, we hope that you also feel seen and validated. We love you, fatties. Now that we've got that covered, here's the episode. Hi, family. I am here today with my friend, Aubrey Gordon, who you might know as formerly anonymous writer, Your Fat Friend. Aubrey has been on the pod multiple times before in season four, talking about anonymity and privilege, and in our COVID season, talking about fat jokes. You've probably also read all of her work in the New York Times, Vox, and Self Magazine, and I hope you've turned into her new podcast with Michael Hobbs called Maintenance Phase. I'm already a huge fan. And if all that wasn't enough, Aubrey also wrote the book that we're here to talk about today, What We Don't Talk About When We Talk About Fat. 
for today's episode, what we talk about when we don't talk about when we talk about that. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> it's a very pithy title, and I appreciate you really I zeroing like it. in on I that. I think it's good. It's like, I'm not not talking about what we talk about when we don't talk about that. <laughs> How are you? Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming back here for our third time, I think. Thanks, buddy. I'm very delighted to be talking to you. For the listener, I'm almost certainly going to refer to myself as being in a sea of Cheetos. And that is because I have found a Zoom background that is just a wall of Cheetos and I'm extremely into it. That's really funny. And like any Zoom background, it kind of malfunctions. So sometimes like part of my head is Cheetos or like my chair is Cheetos or... It only sort of works. I have done a couple of Zoom calls recently with people who have had their Zoom call on and tried in like a background and been very serious during the call. And I've like not been sure how to handle it. I'm like, most people must be used to this by now because most people are doing Zoom calls all the time, but I only do them really, I FaceTime with friends. But the only time I see the Zoom background is like during a podcast call, right? But I don't, are all people out here, like, are a lot of people out here using weird backgrounds as if it's normal now? Is this new COVID types? Well, listen, my uncle is doing it, which means it's officially everywhere. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's officially everywhere. Wow, okay. His okay. Zoom background yes. is a picture of himself, yes. and it's very funny to have, like, dumb oh Gavin. People just <laughs> talking about talking about who they have to lay off in their company with like a big background of like Disney's Hercules like what just like I had a zoom call the other day with someone who uh they said it wasn't it looked so much like it to me they had it looked like the Simpsons living room was their background and they were like I don't know what it was I just grabbed the oh quickest zoom background I could find and I was like all right that's Amazing. So first of all, the most important thing about this book to me is that I'm filled in the credits and personally <laughs> hard hitting questions. Just want everyone to go to the acknowledgments page. Just want everyone to know that in the acknowledgments page. I'm just saying. Um I was very proud of that. It's gonna go on my on my bookshelf. I love all my fat, all my fat writer friends. It's like literally it makes me so proud every time I walk around the house like it's cool. I inspired this author to do their best work. And I know all of you haven't had that yet, but one day I'll have this experience. And you know Someday maybe you'll be amused power. too. For now, it's just me. <laughs> For now, it's just me. But, you know, it's, it's, the door's open to anyone with the skills. You're just really holding it over power. Victor and Zora's heads. <laughs> I really, and they're always like, okay, shut up. Like, that's nice. <laughs> I'm glad for you. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, no, but that was very thoughtful and that made me very happy, especially because it's in this list of wonderful other fat people. And I was like, this is so cool that my friend has all these cool friends who have supported them and writing this book because this is a hard thing to do. It's pretty exciting. I feel like the support amongst fat people has been like incredibly wonderful and more than I absolutely ever dreamed it would be. Yes, absolutely. Good. What has it been like to, since we talked about anonymity the first time you came here, what's it been like to be not anonymous anymore with the book? You've been very public for a little bit. Totally. Very public for a little bit. Yes. In a funny way, because it's all happening in quarantine, I feel like uh, minimally 
uh, impacted by the lack of anonymity. Like I had this initially when I was thinking about this book coming out before the pandemic hit, I was sort of like, well, you know, just grit your teeth, brace yourself and here it comes. And now that it's all happening in a pandemic setting, I'm just like, I don't know, man, I still like walk my dog in pajamas (laughs) and like still, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like there are people around out in the world to do recognizing of people or... Has it changed the way you've approached work so far to be like, yes, now I'm more like I have less of a wall, I would think it feels like. Yeah, in some ways, absolutely. I mean, I think I've been thinking a whole lot more about like, what are the things that I want to write about in addition to fatness? Um, And it feels like there's more room to do that when my name is my name instead of like a, f- a like a fat anonymous a pseudonym. <laughs> pseudonym right like yes. fat specific anonymous pseudonym yeah like not fatty yeah, anonymous totally yeah yes. um so that part has felt really good and refreshing and exciting it's been really exciting to be able to good. think about you know uh potentially doing uh more writing about other topics more writing about this topic it's been like all of that has happened at the same time as the podcast coming out so that has also been like a big shift and like a wonderful shift it's so fun yeah it's like a good heady weird time oh my god i'm so proud of you and happy for you and i really hope people continue to like become a fan of you because I'm a fan of you. I think other people. Thanks, Bud. Back at you. Let's start with the book, and then we can gossip about. Yes. Books. Okay. Perfect. Mm. <laughs> I like that you're like. I'm just gonna structure this whole thing so it's a way back to you and I, just like it's a way back hanging out, gossiping. talking shit, <laughs> gossiping. <laughs> well, I texted you mm-hmm. yesterday that it was hard for me to read some of the book. And I mean, I think it'll be easier years in the future, like when I'm not a fat professional as we are right now, <laughs> like if I'm not a fat public figure forever, but when I'm doing the podcast, it's like too, it's like too much all the time totally. sometimes to think about fat stuff all the time. And especially because some of the stuff in your book is like, uh, sad <laughs> about how <laughs> people treat fat people. Sure is, but... <laughs> And so it was like, some of it was like, I was like, oh God, like the, some of the, honestly, some of the parts that made me the saddest were, this is how you do a book talk, right? right? I tell you the parts yeah. of the book that made yeah, me Yeah, yeah, I feel sad about these things. Will you fix the sadness inside me? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I felt really sad about the studies that showed fat bias going up because I felt like, so there's some parts in here where you talk about studies showing that implicit bias and explicit bias against fat people has gone up in the last 10 years. And that made me really sad because I felt like, oh, we're making progress. We're doing this. We're doing that. Which I think is Mm -hmm. also true at the same time. But I don't know. I mean, my very unscientific thing about it is like, oh, well, you know, I think maybe more people more people go against something that becomes more prominent. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like if more people are talking about fat phobia, more people are going to have more mm-hmm. opinions on it. I don't know. Do you have any hopeful take on that? Or was that also just made you really sad? <laughs> Sorry, can you make this less terrible for me? <laughs> yes, yes, I can. So two things that make that less terrible, I think. One, those numbers um, come from 2016. So it's been a full five years since we got those numbers. Those numbers come from uh, Harvard University's implicit attitudes test. Which I recommend people doing online. You can do it for racism and stuff online. And it's really a good gut check for you if you think that you are one of those without sins. Because you're fucking (laughs) 
Totally. I mean, so it's uh, four out of five of us um, as of 2016 have pretty pronounced biases against fat people and in favor of thin people. And that like includes me, right? When I take that test, absolutely. Bias toward thin people. Yeah. It is baked into us. This is not like... um, It's hard not to. A a sign of being more evolved or sort of like apart from the rest of the world. This is like a natural byproduct of living in a world that seeks to eradicate fatness and fat people wherever they appear. And I actually, as an organizer, I feel heartened by that number because it gives people less of a place to kind of hide from their own biases and less of a sort of false sense of comfort, right? That there is sort of this like, no, listen, it's like pretty much all of us, which means you probably have some work to do. And the other thing that feels heartening to me about it, you know, your mileage may vary, (laughs) is that in... Writing this book, two things felt really important to me. One that felt really important to me was sort of making the case to people who aren't fat and haven't been fat that this is a colossal problem. And the other was validating to fat people that this is not in our heads, right? This is not an imagined problem. This is not a minor problem. This is not something we just need to figure out how to deal with. This is a society-wide issue. So... Yes. Like, on the one hand, it is disheartening. And on the other hand, it's really validating to go, no, 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 I wasn't just making that up. I wasn't just, you know, indulged in some sort of like flight of fancy <laughs> that felt sort of self-indulgent. Yes. Like, it really is a problem, really, from most people. Yeah, I wasn't just being self-conscious or insecure. Totally, which is what I think thin people in our lives, like anyone who hasn't been fat will out of the best intentions tell us like oh you were probably imagining something yes that's one of the terms that you make up in the you coin in the book called thin security which i love i sent pictures of that to some of my friends and was like oh my god this happens all the time 100 percent of the time it's like so frequent right yes yes you're like someone gave me a mean look for being fat today and they're like are you sure it's not because you were ugly like probably not for being fat like literally people will come with up with any excuse for not to be totally that it's a totally understandable response from them right because it can be really jarring and upsetting to realize that folks who have different sort of appearances or identities or experiences than you are sort of moving through the world really differently and that folks are really harsh and hostile to them yes what always annoys me about it is that it feels like what they're saying is like no no one would ever be so rude as to point out that you're fat it's like what are you talking about the whole yes, world, all the time, all of the time. <laughs> but that's the attitude you get ba- about it sometimes. That's like this thin security concept that you explain about, like, well, sometimes when you, people you want thin people to like witness what's happening to you, they just yeah. can't handle it. They can't. They reinterpret your abuse towards you as insecurity and in you of misinterpreting someone's meaning. Yeah, totally. So there's this sort of phenomenon of. Uh, in my experience, of folks who haven't been fat, believing that the worst thing that can happen to a person's body is feeling insecure about it. Not that other people might treat you differently, not that you might not get health care in the way that you need, not that you uh, might not be able to get on a plane or stay on a plane, not that, you know, you struggle to meet really basic needs, but just like, you feel bad. So like, There have been plenty of times, I'm sure this has happened to plenty of people listening as well, where like you tell a friend about, you know, how hard it is to find clothes in your size or whatever. And they go, 
I totally get it. I have bod- bad body image days too yes. or whatever. And you're like, that's, I'm talking yes. about a fundamentally different thing. I'm talking about access. You're talking about yes. sort of body image and how you feel inside. And those are different things. And we got to have room for both of those conversations. Yes. Or like, yeah, I have trouble finding stuff that fits me too. Like blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, you yeah. don't. You're 12 and you don't. Maybe you have trouble finding stuff you totally. like. You, when you talk about fit, what you're talking about is, oh, this is like a little baggy in the butt or whatever yes. the thing is. And what I'm talking about is clothes that physically fit around my body and then stay on yes. it. Yes, will it go on yeah. me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we are, we have exactly. different thresholds <laughs> for fit. Yes. Exactly. You touched on something a couple of minutes ago that I want to bring back, which is that I noticed this as well when reading it, that you have like a very wide view of who your audience might be. This is not like a book for fat people or for thin people. It's basically for anybody who wants to engage. That's definitely the goal, right? That's definitely the goal. Because I do think um, there is a ton of like really wonderful work out in the world that are fat memoirs. There are tons of wonderful books that are guides for fat people written by fat people. Um, And it felt like there was less in the way of sort of like work that is sort of focused on persuasion or like building a case a little bit. Um, And that felt Mm -hmm. like an important opportunity to potentially hopefully mainstream a little bit more of this conversation, which will lead to all kinds of growing pains, all kinds of other stuff will come with that, right? We can only go as far as our sort of collective platform is. And at some point we got to start sort of reaching out to thin people and doing some more explaining. And I felt like as a community organizer, I feel very accustomed to that. (laughs) Happy to do it some more on some other stuff. (laughs) Here we go. I mean, I think that's part of why it was some of it's hard to read because it's like, it's not a lot of fat books are here's the problem and here's who we could still love ourselves or whatever, which is also like, that's nice too. I don't hate those books. And super valuable, you know, super duper valuable. But this, yes, they're super great. But this is like, it doesn't really have that part because that's not the point of this book. This book isn't like, so love yourself. This book is like, here's a cultural thing and we need to talk about it. And what do you guys think? It's like, you know, cultural criticism. And I wonder if that's going to be hard for like harder for people to read when they have to like face it, you know? Have you, what kind of responses have you gotten from it? I've gotten quite a few responses from fat folks, many of whom have been reading my work for a while, who have felt really, really affirmed by it. I've gotten very, very small, like three emails from fat people who are like, that's not everybody. Some of us are fine and we're working really hard at losing weight. Okay. Which is all right. Best of luck on great. your journey. That's not my journey. Totally. And then the biggest wave of responses has been from thin people who are like, I genuinely had no idea. What does that feel like? Yeah, I would be so mad. I feel like I'd be like, fuck you. I, <laughs> but also you wrote the book to, for it to sort of to educate totally. them This too, is so. like a, you know, uh, careful what you wish for moment, I guess. I mean, like, yes. I think it uh, yeah. depends on the day, right? That most of the time I feel really grateful for those responses because that does take a lot of vulnerability to reach out to someone and be like, look, I understand that this is your whole yes. life experience. And I had zero understanding of what that was until right now. That takes a lot of vulnerability, which takes a lot of strength. Um, It's really good. And there are some days when I'm like already down and I get one of those emails and I totally want to flip a table. (laughs) Just totally. You're like, tell your mom. I don't (laughs) care. Like tell someone else. Tell someone else who needs to hear it. Tell other thin people. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Yes. Tell other thin people. I mean, like, again, like genuinely like 
pretty much every response has been really lovely and thoughtful and aside from like a couple little sparks. Yeah, I mean, I have the same thing. I feel that most of the time, well, most of the time I get emails from fat people and most of the time I'm like, so glad they wrote me, like love them, glad they like my pod, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But sometimes I get an email that's like, thanks for teaching me so much. And just, I have an internal response that's like, yeah, welcome. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you know what? Like, some, yeah, sometimes it's like a lot. Sometimes it feels like a lot to be always uh, approached about your Sure, of course. You know? Of course, of course. And also, it can definitely be a lot to hold. And I'm also yeah. hyper aware that that is like, for sure with this book, what I signed on for. Do you know what I mean? So I'm like, yes, that's right. Yes. I'm making conscious decisions. I can continue to make conscious decisions. Here we go. <laughs> yes. Okay. So a couple other specifics I just want to name about the book. One thing that I liked a lot was that I think you do a good job of explaining stuff that has been covered in other places in a like more academic kind of way. And this you like collate a lot of information in a more straightforward cultural criticism kind of way. And then you have all these notes. So people, if they want to, can go like read all this stuff. But like, for example, when we read Fearing the Black Body, like then whenever people ask me like, well, do you have a good explainer for like why BMI is bullshit? And I was like, yes, it's really good. It's a very academic text. And I don't know if everybody will Mm -hmm. do it. You know what I mean? Now I'm like, okay, great. Here's another option. I could be like, read this book, read this article, read this, read that. Like there's, we're growing in terms of like more discussions of this stuff. And this is like another good, I like love recommending Fearing the Black Body because her last section is just like a complete takedown of the medical like way to treat fatness basically and and you like re- reference a lot of the same stuff she does but it's contextualized in the in it's not your book's not really about that as much as it is like okay so here's the facts Sabrina Strings talked about this now we know the facts now what are we going to do about it so I think it's like it's like helpful to see it within the canon of like you know, here's some more. F- I, I'm not saying the sentence very correctly. Do you understand what I'm yeah, trying totally. to say? <laughs> Just I mean, like- it feels like very important to me that this be like a widely accessible book in terms of its language, yeah. in terms of its reference points, in terms of all that kind of stuff. Of course, it's like extremely U.S. centered. I am a person from the U.S., of course, it is rooted in like my own whiteness. Of course, it is rooted in my own, yeah. you know, class history. Of course, it's rooted in all of those things because I wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> and also, it felt really important to use language that you didn't necessarily need a college degree to understand, to use reference points from uh, academia and from popular culture, you know, to sort of like uh, cover a lot of ground, hopefully. Yeah. I like it. I feel like it's an important book on the bookshelf of like fat canon is what Thanks, I Thanks, bud. I had another question for you. Tell me. Which is, I wondered how you chose which which personal and upsetting stories about yourself you chose to include. Because <laughs> like there's some, I was thinking about it. I was like, there's some stories that I haven't even told on the podcast just because I'm like, I don't, I can't talk about yeah. it, you know? Yeah. I mean, that was pretty much how I chose them was like, do I feel like I have yeah. processed this through enough to talk to... 30 different media outlets about my experience with, yes, you know, sexual harassment or, with, you know, bad experiences on planes or at doctor's offices or whatever. And it all felt like stuff that I was like, I feel really clear and solid about sort of how I've made sense of this kind of stuff. And it felt like an important in to ground the book in personal experience, not just sort of like 
you know, a series of sort of arguments, right? That it's sort of like, yeah. no, here's how I got here. Cause that really is how it happened for me that I sort of had these personal experiences. And then I would genuinely like go do some research and be like, Oh, it's worse for yeah. on a large scale than it is for just me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. yeah. So it's, yes. it's, there's definitely like hard stuff in there, but it also felt like hopefully a way of combining story and evidence in a way that sort of just reaches folks in a different way and from a different angle. Definitely. Some of them are stories that you've talked about in your essays mm-hmm. before too. So I imagine some of them you were like, I've already shared about this, so it's okay totally. to write about it again. I mean, I've read your talking about the grocery store thing before, but it made me remember when I was a teenager and I was in a TJ Maxx and this lady came up to me, put her hand on my belly and said, it's so beautiful when we're expecting and then handed me a her card for prenatal yoga classes. And I was like... I'm 17. I'm just here looking for like, off the rack stuff from Nordstrom. That's so awful. And it's also so funny. So funny. I was like, I was like looking, I was like, we're in the, we're in the pillow section at TJ Maxx. Like this is not, I was like, what? And I was so confused. And my mom was in another part of the store. And I remember going over and being like too embarrassed to even tell her because like I was so confused and like mm. embarrassed. I was embarrassed by what totally. happened. I had so same age. I was 17. I was taking a year between high school and college to just like have a job and not be in school. Yeah. Total gap year. year. And my job was that I worked in a kindergarten classroom. I was a classroom assistant slash school secretary. And I job shared with another school secretary who was also fat, also white, also queer. She was pregnant and she was about 15 years older than me. And at one point she left for parental leave, right, to give birth to her kid. And I was like out on the playground sort of watching during after school care. And a parent came up to me and was like, oh, I thought you'd already left on maternity leave. And I was like, (laughs) and you were like, I'm not pregnant. I'm not pregnant. I'm also not 37. I say as a person who's now 37, (laughs) right? Like I was like, literally, what? It's so oh my weird. god, so those moments were like so confusing. I was like, ha, uh, thank you. I put the card in my pocket. I didn't right, know what to of do course, with like, it. I took the well, card. Well, that's also one of those situations <laughs> where like, it sounds like you did what I did for a long time in those situations and still sometimes do, which is just like, what's the thing that will end this the fastest? And the thing that will end this the fastest is to just be like, thanks. I just didn't even know what to say. Like, it was not a strategy. I just was like... Uh huh. Like I didn't even know what I was too young to know what to do. Totally, you know. I was just confused. But yeah, I. I mean, there have been so many. Like even that is like a reason that I hope people read this book because there's so many stories that you tell that I have my own version of, and so do many other facts. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. I will say one that is not in the book, but is in that vein. Is I was working on. An essay. This was like a couple years ago. I was sitting in a library working on an essay and I had one of those little packets of like mixed nuts that you get at like a gas station, you know, like the little like single serve. Yeah. Here you go. Great. And I was like working on this essay and then I would reach over and like have a nut or two or whatever. And uh, I was doing that work in like a pretty bougie suburb. And this person came up to me and like dropped her card and was like, I work with people on compulsive eating. And I was like, this is a single serve bag of nuts. Like, what are you doing, (laughs) ma'am? Oh my God. 
good. And you know, they would never go up to anyone in like a restaurant or anything like that who was like actually eating food. She was just judging you on your body. 100%. That's all that was, right? That's all that was. You're like, yes, I need to stop compulsively eating these nuts one minute, at, like 10 minutes apart, one at a time. Are you totally. Eating? Sorry, oh I'm God. eating too much fiber and protein for you, ma'am. <sighs> oh my God. Uh, I mean, we could go back and forth. There's so many, there's just so fucking many, but I do hope that people like I hope that they see the way that you've couched them to be like oh Aubrey isn't the like only person in the world who's gotten this nor is she the fattest person in the world you know so like clearly other people have had like this kind of thing happened to them. And more extreme versions of this kind of thing. And yes, more versions of this that happen at like major crossroads in their lives when they're like seeking medical care and stuff yes. like that, right? It felt like it felt like a really important opportunity to frankly just like hold a mirror up to thin people to go this is actually what you're yeah. doing are you okay with that is this the path you want to keep going down because clearly like the people who did these things to you like you don't portray them as monsters because they're not they're just they're normal people who think that they're doing something yeah. helpful i really liked all the different terms you made up in this book making up too. words I really da, 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 da. so yeah. <laughs> another word i liked from thin security was thin interrogation so can you explain what thin interrogation is for people? Please? So thin interrogation is the way in which thin people sort of, it's not quite weaponizing. Thin interrogation is about the ways in which thin people give voice to their disbelief of fat folks' experiences, yeah. right? So if I say, God, I had a terrible flight and this guy next to me asked to be reseated and a friend goes... Well, were you bothering him? Were you listening to your music really loud? Right. Were you doing this? Were you doing that? Yeah. Maybe he was having a tough day. Maybe blah, blah, blah. Right? Like, and sort of all of this, it's like a series of pointed questions that are designed to return you back to, no, you're actually the problem here. And or you misunderstood this thing. Right? And it is, I would say, the effect of it is super gaslighty. The intent yes. behind it is not gaslighting. The intent behind it is, yes. I have a worldview where people sort of judge each other based on what they do and who they are. And if it's a woman friend to a woman friend, not to be like cis centric, but my experience in like cis women friendships is that a lot of times you'll be like, oh my God, so-and-so is so mean to me. And then you'll be like, oh my God, like they were, they were just having a bad day, blah, blah, blah. Like you're just being insecure. Cause sometimes we are, like it's one part of, I don't want you know, I don't want to say cis woman friendship, but one part that's like common and kind of femme, like female coded friendships is like being like, I'm insecure about this thing. I'm bad. I like feel bad about this thing. And then the other person like makes it okay mm -hmm. for you. So like, you know, or is like, oh, it's that person's problem. They are having a bad day or like whatever, you know, or like you're being dramatic. Like what, let's go have a nice yeah. time or whatever. Sometimes that's accurate. Like sometimes someone's like, my boyfriend did it, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, it's fine, whatever, let's go, yeah. blah, blah, blah. I don't know what the term, like some sociologist knows what the term for this is, but sometimes that's like a healthy social coping interaction, yep. you know? It's like a check yeah. and balance. But in these cases, it's like just gaslighting. It's just like, no, that's not what happened right. at it's all. Right, someone though. who has not had this experience and therefore cannot validate or invalidate it, but yes. reaches real hard to invalidate it because it threatens their... Yes understanding of the world where people are sort of treated the way that they're treated based on merit not based on sort of how they look or who they are or any of that kind of stuff yeah yes Ugh. man i wish i said better what i was trying to say about femme coded friendships but I no think i totally get what you're trying to say right that like there is this whole sort of ritual of 
sort of women coming together and going, oh my God, here's what happened today. And like, it was really rough. And somebody goes, yeah, I mean, fuck that person. You're fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah, exactly. And I will say as a fat person, when my experiences surround my fatness or sort of reflect my fatness in some way, and the other person in that friendship is not a fat person, I can pretty well rely on like not getting reinforcement from that person. I have a few people who I can, and they're all people who've had ED histories, if they're thin, because those are people who also understand people commenting on bodies and weird feelings about totally. food choices and comments I will say, um, I've had luck with people who have had eating disorder experiences, people who have done a ton of work on their sort of like fat analysis, like a ton, a ton of work on their fat analysis, and with people who've been pregnant. Totally Really? Oh, totally totally. get it. Because I don't know if you have witnessed the ways in which people will just put their hands on pregnant people and like ask all kinds of super invasive questions. That same school secretary who I job shared with when she was pregnant would like eat at her desk and every parent who passed by had something to say about what she was eating and whether or not it was safe for the baby. Yeah, totally. There's like quite a bit of like over just like a willingness to understand. Yes. If I were on Twitter, I would tweet out and ask how many fat people have been told happy Mother's Day when they are (laughs) like asked if they're pregnant. Because that's happened to me so many times. So many times. So many times. I don't know why. Like, I must look like, I must carry my weight in a way that, like, you know, I have a tummy. But I've had that, like, I've been at the movie theater. It happened the last time I was at, it must have been two Mother's Days ago or something, Mm -hmm. right? Because of COVID. I was at the Grove at the movie theater there. And this woman, like, it was Mother's Day weekend or something. And she passed by and she was like, happy early Mother's Day. And I, like, smiled at her and I was like, what? And then I was like oh and I looked at Victor and he was like huh and then he was like oh and we were like okay yeah. well let's just go to this Jack Creature movie or whatever the fuck we're here to see I don't even remember what it was but I remember that oh, moment oh man I, I hope you guys went to see Jack Reacher <laughs> I don't think we did oh that's a bummer I, I was gonna I talk we... to you about Jack Reacher <laughs> One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Speaking of your podcast, let's touch on that. It is called Maintenance Phase, which I like remember hearing the name and being like, oh my God, that's such a good name. And I was with thin people and they're like, what does it mean? And I was like, oh my God, this is why it's such a good name. (laughs) So it came out in October and the tagline is wellness and weight loss debunked and decoded. There have been some researched eps on Halo Top, Diet Pills, and The Biggest Loser. So what, and it's co-hosted with our friend Michael Hobbs, who wrote that great article. Was Everything you know Everything about you obesity know, is like similar wrong. to your totally. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. You guys have book title Pit. taste in common. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Um, tell me about that. Tell me about working with Michael and talking about fatness on the air. So maintenance phase was, uh, Mike sort of gave me a call at the beginning of quarantine and at the beginning of the pandemic and was like, do you want to record a podcast? And I was like, okay. Um, and he had this idea about debunking diet and wellness fads. And I was all in, you know this about me, yes. that any excuse to yell into a microphone about either moon juice <laughs> or cafe gratitude is like... Oh my my ship's come in. Yes. <laughs> it's a great time for me. It felt like this incredible opportunity to just sort of, you know, dig in on something that felt really linked to my existing work, but pretty distinct from it, you know? Yes. So the first episode that I researched and recorded was our episode on FenFen, which I had been on FenFen. I was like right on time to take FenFen in the 90s for folks who were unfamiliar with FenFen. It was a drug combo that was huge in the 90s that, uh, as it turns out, stopped people from breathing and it stopped their hearts from beating. <laughs> but they were so thin. They were so thin and so they were high so, when they died. So, like, so gorgeous. <laughs> so beautiful. <laughs> oh my god. More about that in the book. Yep. More in the book. <laughs> but like, it has been a really lovely and cathartic way to bring some levity to all of the garbage diets that surround us all the time, right? Like the fundamental premise of the podcast is twofold. One, 95 to 98% of weight loss attempts fail, whether we call them diets or detoxes or cleanses or lifestyle changes or whatever. And that the maintenance phase of any diet, the point after you've sort of like reached your quote unquote goal weight, the maintenance phase of any diet is staying on that diet forever. Yes. So we wanted to just like do some digging around in sort of like, what is the actual science behind these things? What is the history behind these things? And what can that show us about all the things that we think we know about health and wellness, which for the most part is a lot of marketing, right? Like we think we have this whole like file in our brains of like hard information about nutrition and probiotics and all kinds of stuff. And for the most part, we have gotten that from marketing of specific products, <laughs> Ah! So it felt like a really good and interesting way to sort of tie together a critique of diet culture and sort of the emerging wellness industry with a deep-seated critique that Mike and I both have of capitalism. Yay! How do you choose the topics? Can I text you topics to do? Oh, you could totally text me topics. <laughs> okay, great. It's truly just like Mike and I have a running list. I think we have like 200 topics on the running list of stuff we haven't gotten to yet. Yeah. That's how we started the pod. We just made a list of all the things we wanted to talk about. Mm -hmm. Totally. And then Mike and I just sort of pick based on either what's in the news or what we feel like researching. So yeah, uh, I am currently doing a ton of research into a BMI super like multi-part oh, episode. Wow. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. And uh, after that, I think I may do an episode on a diet book that I have called The Blackmail Diet. Oh, yeah, bud. We'll talk about that one off mic. It's extremely <laughs> oh wild. Okay. So that's mostly it. Like, you know, I talked to my mom about this and she was telling me about uh, a thing that I had not thought about in a long time, which was when I was in like third or fourth grade, the summer between school years, we got a world book encyclopedia, like a full set of encyclopedia books. And that whole summer I was like, mom, mom, give me a topic and I'm gonna go research it and write a report. Mom! <laughs> 
and she'd be like, okay, write a report on beavers. And I was like, that's boring. I'm going to write a report on Chile. <laughs> like, oh my okay God. tiny insufferable you're, kid you're just like me. totally so yes. like she was like it's really amazing that you've managed to make this your job <laughs> <laughs> and it's really true i have managed oh to hermione God. my way <laughs> that's incredible i we had for some reason Oh, I think it was because one of the schools my mom worked at was giving away some of their old mm. world books. So we had like random letters that they had like thrown away, like because they were getting a new set. And I definitely didn't want to write reports on them, but I loved to like open them and read random parts. And then at dinner be like, did you know that the links is the big, <laughs> like I was just like off, you know, <laughs> that was my favorite thing to do. Just like read and At offer. At one point, I almost definitely memorized a bunch of stuff about different countries, gross domestic product without knowing what gross domestic oh product was. Because <laughs> I was like, this seems like a thing that adults would know. <laughs> I just wanted to be a grown up real bad. I just want to be a grown up. Oh my god. I wanted to be a grown-up so I could eat what I wanted to Well, that too. Eat. I wanted to eat candy all the time. Candy all the time, which I don't eat now because now it'll make me sick. So really, I should have <laughs> stayed a kid. You know? Who knew? Turns out. Who knew? When you got the option <laughs> to age into adulthood or to stay a kid, you made the wrong choice. Yeah. 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 I made yeah. the wrong choice. <laughs> What's it like to do a podcast with not a fat person? Mike is fantastic on like all of this stuff and is really, really invested in getting it right. I think that's kind of nice because it kind of can, it's like a model for totally. There are not actually a lot of thin people who I can like wholeheartedly, full throatedly say this person is like nailing it. And Mike is one of those people, absolutely. Yes. And he's a man. And he's a dude. What's happening? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so he and I have been, you know, recording together and, you know, I, I posted about this the other day and I was like, <laughs> my mom and my dad have both now given reviews of the podcast and my mom's review oh my is God. like, I like that you and Mike like each other, <laughs> which is so dear and so my mom. And yes. I should say, neither one of my parents are podcast listeners of any podcast in any way, yes. right? So then I sent a rough cut of an episode to my dad, and I was like, so what'd you think? And he was like, it's too long. Oh my <laughs> so my God. mom was like, I like that you're friends. <laughs> my dad was like, ah, too much. No thanks. That's very funny. My mom listens to the podcast, but... Like, she hasn't quite figured out the Patreon episodes mm. yet. I keep I have to set them up for her to get to her phone. And also, she told me the other day, she's always, it makes me feel paranoid, honestly, because she's like, it's talking to so-and-so and they like your podcast. And I'm like, oh my God, hopefully I haven't like ever told family stories about anything, about anyone who might ever listen. I don't think I have. Like I never tell inappropriate things, but I always have the fear that I'm like, oh my God, what did I say? Oh no, we definitely <laughs> had that on podcast. I actually listened to a rough cut of an episode yesterday where I had like, I was just like talking to Mike, right? I was not thinking about us being on yes. microphone. Yes. And there are a couple of stories that I was like, I'm going to need you to take those out, my guy. Sorry. Yes. So now you have your new book. You have your podcast. And you've done a lot of book tours sort of stuff online. And what does 2021 hold for you as far as we can predict? As far as we can predict. So we're now, we took a little hiatus with the podcast because we just recorded six episodes and we thought, ah, this will be a fun little lurk to go on. And then people really liked it. 
So we took a little break for a month and a half, maybe, to record a bunch of new episodes. We're now back, and uh, we're going to be releasing those every uh, every other Tuesday for the rest of the year. So I'm going to be doing a ton of research Ooh. on weird, wild diets and wellness trends and whatever. Yay. I actually just added Cafe Gratitude to the list. Oh my god, hell yeah. Because we got to yeah. talk about some union politics, no? <laughs> Oh my god, I'm so excited uh, so for that. That's coming up, and uh, I'm like very excited to be sort of cooking up some uh, ideas for potential second books. So we'll see, you Yay. know? If anybody buys them, we'll see. Oh, lots of people will buy them. I predict it. Does it feel good to be like full time fat creator out in public now? How it feels feel? like a big release to me. Like a big yeah. a release and a relief both, right? That is sort of like, there was a point at which being anonymous just became sort of this big cumbersome thing to carry around. So yeah. it's been really exciting to get to no longer be anonymous. And also like anonymity in the past had kept me from writing for really big, exciting publications that I really look up to and like. And yes. um, there were ways in which it was, you know, a major, major stumbling block. And that's part of the reason I don't generally recommend it to people don't be anonymous just yes. be yourself make your thing and be yourself <laughs> i promise it's better that way oh god yes but oh my god i would be like yeah. yes but well here's the thing is that you became non-anonymous after you'd already crafted you've decided already the whole way you want it to be public so i would recommend people do that first and not be 26 and just post everything on your instagram story every time you feel like it because that exposes you to more than you probably want. Hypothetically. <laughs> hypothetically. Yeah. Hypothetically, you should just have a Patreon where people can talk to you in the Patreon. It's much more safe <laughs> in there. It is safe in the Patreon. People are nice yeah. in there. I think definitely being non-anonymous is like a freer for you. But you also are like further, you're, to anybody, anybody who's considering writing anonymously about being fat, I would tell them that you know, Aubrey is a very like considered person who has had like a like career already. So I think, you know, anybody who wants to write about this, think about whether you want to be anonymous or not, because it comes with mm -hmm. a lot of shit. It comes with shit. Yeah, what I will say is that I found that shit comes whether you're anonymous or not. Oh, definitely. But like, yes, totally. Like, it's it's a tricky decision to make. Absolutely. And if people are asking me, like, all things being equal and you making thoughtful decisions about what you want your writing or your career to be, yeah. I found anonymity to be more of a stumbling block than a facilitator. Totally. Well, especially because I, you are someone who's very good at communicating. So, like, it helps you to communicate to pe pu the public mm -hmm. person. It gives you more of a platform, etc. Yeah. yeah, definitely. What's been the most fun thing you've done since being non-anonymous with your with face? With my face? Two things. One, I recorded, this was like just the other day, an episode of With Friends Like These, which is a podcast oh, that cool. I greatly enjoy, and had like a wonderful conversation. That was extremely fun and was a thing that I don't think I would have done or would have been able to do if I was anonymous. And like yesterday, there was a little Q&A about the book in the Washington Post. That is a thing that like... Yay. Would not have happened. Would not have happened if yes. I did not have a name. <laughs> it's very exciting. It's a very exciting Those are time. All really exciting things. And I oh. also think the podcast was sort of a lead up to not being anonymous anymore. Definitely. Right? Yeah. Definitely. Because I wasn't using my voice very often. Yes. Aside from here. Hello. Aside from here, where everyone knew you. Exclusive. 
oh my God, exclusive part of the family was your voice. <laughs> Just so you know that podcast family, I got this voice for you first. <laughs> At first, before anyone else. Nailed it. Is there anything else you want to say about the book to this like mostly fat audience? Like, or, you know, the thin people in our audience or just our listeners in general? I would say, I mean, like, of course, I urge folks to read the book. And I also urge folks to read the book alongside many other fat people. Yes, that's my last question that Lynn wrote down here for me is other fat writers we should be reading. So obviously, Dr. Sabrina Strings, obviously... Besides yours, what other ones would you say are an obvious? I mean, I think an obvious is Hunger by Roxane Gay, I think is like, particularly for folks who are fatter than I am, I'm about 350 pounds, I wear a size 26. Um, So for folks who may identify as Infinifats, uh, I would strongly recommend Hunger. It's it's a tough read and a great read. Yeah, Um, I agree. uh, Happy Fat by Sophie Hagen. Yes, is, love it, love her. Uh, we have an episode with her on that. Just an absolute dream. She's the best. I'm in that one. I'm in the thanks for that one, too. I'm in the thanks for that one, too. <laughs> the same. I'm so proud. I'm so proud of myself. I'm just so proud of myself for being friends with cool people. No, you asked earlier about, like, what's the most fun thing? And the most fun thing has been being able to, like, actually sort of... Something has happened with my name and face being out in the world that makes more people feel like they can initiate conversations with me. And overwhelmingly, yes. those are people who I really like and admire. Yes, yes. that's a very fun thing. I like it's that as well. so fun. It's yes. so fun. It's like, you know, the LinkedIn for podcast or public people. It's just like DMing each other, being like, hi, I've read all or listened to all your stuff. Can we talk? Totally. <laughs> like in real life. Totally. Yeah. The number of people who've like come out of the woodwork and been like, can I be a guest on your podcast? Is that a That's thing amazing. you want to do? Is such a joy. It makes me so happy. Ah, uh, yeah, love that. So yeah, I just feel like it's been like good thing after good thing, which is great. Like totally wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Wait. So Sophie Hagen. Okay. Sophie Hagen, Stephanie Yaboa. Yes. Sabrina Strings, who is not a fat person, but has done just an exquisite amount of work on all of this. I would say. For some YA in your life, Julie Murphy, yes. all the way. Always. Yes. You're just naming my podcast episodes so far. So <laughs> um, I actually think uh, Paul Campos wrote a book called Ooh. The Obesity Myth. Oh, I have that. Yes, I haven't read it yet, but I have it. It's a little dated, right? Like it came out sort of in the early 2000s and you can tell. Um, yeah, sure. But it is also, and there's definitely some stuff that's like, it's okay to be this fat, but not this fat. Like where you're uh-huh. like, oh, that's a bummer. But the information in it is stellar and really, really helpful. There's like a bunch of academic stuff that I think is like really phenomenal. The Fat Studies Reader is yes, I have that too. So good, so yes. good. I'm like genuinely just like looking down at my little book, looking at your books. Yeah, totally, <laughs> yes. totally. I would say not necessarily specifically about fatness or fat people, but inclusive of fat people is Lindo Bacon's newest book, Radical yes. Belonging. Is yes. like who we also had on the pod. Exquisite. So good. Yes, it's really good. It goes well with your book, honestly, because mm-hmm. I think 
people should read your book and Sabrina Strings' book and then read that book because that book is a little more like focused on the hopeful nature mm-hmm. of communication and collection and belonging. Totally. And you have like a chapter at the end of your book where you're like, okay, so now you know how bad it is. Let's fix it. We can do it together. Totally. And then people could read that book and be like, okay, here's how we do it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So mine ends with like a set of almost like policy prescriptions of like, here's yes. a bunch of stuff that we could decide collectively that we want to do differently and some individual practices that we could all opt into. Yes. Radical belonging is really about like, how do you create a sense of belonging that facilitates other folks' mental health, their physical health, right? That sort of makes it clear that there is a space for everybody here. Um, and it's just brilliantly, just totally brilliantly written. I would say not books, but Ijoma Aluo has done wonderful writing yes. on fatness yes. um, that I would strongly, strongly recommend. And I hope she writes more about it soon. <laughs> Me too. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, I have actually on my website, a whole big, long, fat reading list. Hell yeah. That folks we'll can add just, it to, we'll, link, yeah. we'll add a link to it to our resources page. Perfect. Yeah, there's more. Oh, Jesus. Uh, the Body is Not an Apology by Sonia Renee oh, Taylor. Yes. Like a classic for a reason, right? Who I'm recording with next week. Oh You're just, God. I'm feeling so validated by this reading list. <laughs> You're like, listen to this past episode. Listen to yes. this future episode. We got it all. I'm giving people what they need. So there is a forthcoming book that I have not read, but I will already wholeheartedly recommend it, which yes. is uh, called Body Sovereignty. It's being co-written by Caleb Luna, Shiloh George, Elaine Lee, and Sandra Solovey. Wow, that sounds really good. It's going to be pretty incredible. I just feel like those are some serious, serious heavy hitters intellectually yes. and in terms of fat politics. They are folks who will strike out and create a new path for sort of all of us. That's so cool. Yeah. I- I love Caleb. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So I just feel like there's just so much more that's like coming our way on fatness um, and coming from fat people. And I am jazzed about all of it. Yeah. Deshaun has a book that's coming out called Belly of the Beast. Oh my God. That sounds so good. That's coming out, I think next year. Like everybody great is writing books. I'm so excited. Yeah. Uh, I'm so proud of you. And I am so glad that things are like, popping off for you right now. I hope you're continuing to take care of yourself through all the popping off. Totally. And I know you won't, but I really want your next book to be like what I forgot to talk about when I talked about what we don't talk about when we talk about. (laughs) (laughs) really pleased What I didn't talk about when I thought I was talking about what we don't talk talk about when we talk about fat. Yes. It just rolls off your tongue. Look. You know? It's, I'm nothing if not a title wizard. Oh, <laughs> uh, What we don't talk about when we talk about fat too, colon, the sequel to we, what we don't talk about when we talk about fat. That's right. Colon. Okay. Colon. Book of Secrets. Yes, exactly. Right? Colon. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> I was trying to remember the name of this, the, the second National Treasure movie. Yeah, Is book, it called Book, it's of, book of Secrets? It's Book of Secrets. 100%. Listen, if I'm joking with you about Jack Reacher, you better believe that I know my oh, National my Treasure movies. We watched both National Treasure movies fairly recently for some reason. And like, they're a fun pandemic watch. I'll give them that. Yes. Like, they're a fun watch. They are they're good, so bad. bad movies. 
Yes. They are very wanna... good bad movies. Okay, before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to shout out? You recently wrote a piece in Self Mag. Are there other pieces or places? Where do you want people to follow you? Do all that stuff. Oh, yeah. So folks can subscribe to Maintenance Phase wherever you get podcasts. We are uh, we have new episodes out every other Tuesday. Um, and we are, uh, as we mentioned, like debunking a bunch of wacky diet and wellness fads. It's very fun. You can follow me at uh, at YR fat friend, um, <laughs> on Twitter, on Instagram and on Facebook. I'm all of yeah. the same thing in all of those places. Buy the book. Yeah. And buy the book. Oh, geez. Hey, buy the book. What we don't talk about <laughs> when we talk about fat is uh, available wherever you get books and, uh, you can find links to everything I do at my website, which is yourfatfriend.com. Yay. Oh, thank you so much for coming back on the pod. It's always a pleasure to have you on. I'm so proud of you for writing this book. I already said that, but it's just really good. And I'm really glad that it's in the world for people to learn from and build on. And that it's part of the fat canon. Thanks, buddy. Let's have have gossip lunch sometime soon. Okay, sounds good. That sounds really fun to me. (laughs) We want to do it. We're going to FaceTime. Okay, they're not going to hear our plans about it. Bye. Bye. that's our show. Thank you so much, Aubrey. If you want to read more of Aubrey's essays and musings, you can find her at Your Fat Friend on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, we can't forget to shout out our patrons. Thank you too. Milka W. Kiriaku. Onyx Snow. Libby Monaghan. Teresa Baldwin. Brittany Francis. Autumn Turpin. Kara Boym. Michael Coward. Charmaine Joan DePape. And Savannah Johnson. We couldn't make the show without you. See you next time. She's All Fat was created by me, Sophie Carter-Kahn, and April K. Quio, who graduated. We are an independent production. If you'd like to support the work we do, you can join our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash she's all fat pod. When you pledge to be a supporter, you'll get all sorts of goodies and extra content. Please make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's super important in making sure people find the show so we can grow the family. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to the stuff we mentioned today. And don't forget to send us your questions at fyi at she'sallfatpod.com. You can also leave us a voicemail at 213-375-5023 and we might even play it on the pod. Our episode ads are done in partnership with Acast. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, you can get started at acast.com. Our theme music was composed and produced by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. Our website was designed by Jesse Fish and our logo is by Hannah Sanger. Lynn Barbera co-produced and edited this episode. Yelly Cruz is our magical junior producer. Our thin crony forever is Maria Vertel. I'm our host and co-producer. Our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter handles are at She's All Fat Pod. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Stay safe. We love you. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.